It's getting cold out there. Christ has risen. It's time for us to talk about jump cut. In it. Am I right? Well, how was that for a British accent? Is it supposed to be British? I mean, it's like ye old English times, but I feel like the movie has a much more solemn, quiet start to it than how we started. No, it doesn't. He like wakes up in a brothel. Dude, it literally uh, starts with like a two minute scene of like them staring at him light on fire, his head catch fire. And then you hear like hymnals underneath. And then it's a horse for another minute and a half as the background catches fire. Oh, yeah, you're right. I completely forgot about that scene where the guy's like, this is the story of Gawain. And it's like, uh, yeah, 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 where they're like, there's a crown on fire. Yeah. Well, it's it's his whole head, but yeah, a little bit, sort of like a crown, but a little bigger. Okay, I see, I completely forgot about that scene. And I remember the scene of uh, the girl waking him up in the brothel. Right, yeah, yeah. Of course, that's the part you remember. That makes sense. Hell yeah, bro, because he's living my dream life, bro. Speaking of which, who are you? Uh, I'm Hashem, and who are you? Hi there, I'm Leander. Nice to meet you. And uh, we're here to babble on and on (laughs) about uh, these ugly-ass, crusty-ass movies that nobody has seen, like The Green Knight. Yeah, that nobody has seen. I feel like this movie has some clout to it. Yeah, but it's like an underground cloud. It didn't do that well in the box office, but, I don't think. I mean, it's pe- people who like movies probably have heard of it, at least. Like, I don't know. Does it sound yeah, douchey but... to say? I feel like it's okay. not like a, a deep cut to say I watched The Green Knight. I guess not. I think you're right. But I just think, like, in the grand world of cinematic masterpieces, this one doesn't exactly... Uh, actually, that's yeah. not true because I I do think that this movie it can potentially fall under the masterpiece like umbrella. Yeah, we'll right. It's like it, I mean, it's got steep competition, but I think it fares pretty well. I mean, I could say it's no like Thor, Ragnarok or anything. That's no, no, no Avengers two or anything. But you that's know. not what I was saying. <laughs> it can't that's it can't fight saying. with the Eternals or whatever, but. I still think I still think we should give it a fair shot. You know what I'm saying? I hate you. This is my <laughs> recommendation. I recommended yeah, that is. we watch this movie. Had you seen it before? I apparently not because I genuinely didn't remember a single thing. You know what I do remember? Spoiler yeah. alert! I guess you know the shot with him and the fox, and then those like giant people, and then the camera flips. That's the mm-hmm. only shot I remember in the entire movie. Really. Why? I, I don't remember. I have no no idea. No idea. Like, this I remember the... bits and pieces. Mm-hmm. But um, I made the mistake of watching this movie with my dad. So, Oh, your dad doesn't like uh, silent films? <laughs> <laughs> I actually think he would prefer a silent film over this. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. I, f- I feel like I watched the first half with Jordine. And then decided to rewatch it from the beginning alone, but uh, it was it was definitely a toughie. I think for her, she fell asleep. Well, not fell asleep. I mean, it was like one wow. a.m. her time. Wait, hold on, hold on, hold on. Let me understand. We've yeah. brought this girl on the podcast as a like yeah. authority voice. Mm-hmm. What does this say to her credibility? I mean, we watch Fast and Furious movies, so I mean, what does it say yeah, to her credibility? But, but we also watch The Green Knight. 
So I think, if anything, that improves our credibility because it shows how dynamic our range is. You know? Uh-huh. On this episode, Hashim eats his own ass live I on camera. Am, I'm, I'm sucking my own dick so hard Guys, right now, bro. you should know that my <laughs> I, I'm the next coming of Roger Ebert in this through this podcast by which I disseminate my voice that you are all lucky to hear. Listen. I'll have you know I've is, seen all of the Fast and Furious and the Green Knight. <laughs> Roger e- Roger Ebert was a big fan of uh, Big Mommy Milkers, so him and I are very very alike. What in more what ways that? than one? There's just, a review. Did you just mean breasts? Is that what you? Yeah, mean? he did. Yeah, it is okay. exactly what I mean. But okay. like, listen, I want you guys. Okay, for those of you at home, Leander made a joke the other day. <laughs> And okay. I was like, wow, what a contemporary joke to make. And this guy yeah. turns around and ends and obliterates my entire existence. Tell them what you said, good sir. Let the, let the world know. Let the masses understand. I don't know why. I, I feel like I saw red when you said that. He, it was so arrogant. Okay, so it was like literally, I, I just said, I said, oh, what was it? It was like some dumb joke about how like, uh, uh, do you remember the context? I literally don't. I do. I do. Okay. I think somebody you, said... Somebody said something about uh, their jungler letting them down, and you're like, "I rely on ice on McDonald's ice cream machines more than I rely on my oh, jungler." Oh yeah, we were playing league, you know, I, by the way. I, I, I said, "Yeah, it lets me down like an ice cream machine at McDonald's or some shit, some dumb, dumb joke, right?" And he's like, "Oh, how contemporary!" And he did like a whole British accent and shit, and he like <laughs> flashed the monocle emoji. It was disgusting, right? And so, so me seeing red, I was like, "Shut the fuck up." You permanently online loser, something like that, idiot, something like that. Hell yeah. Something really Terminally insulting. online. Terminally online. Dude, honestly, yeah. it was it was absolutely deserved. I feel like the, the <laughs> contemporary, where did that come from? Dude, I had no reason I, I to snapped. say that. I snapped. He was like, I heard that <laughs> reference before, and I, he was like, can't have that. And I, I just, I broke. I, I couldn't I couldn't maintain myself. Um, I and so it. I think, I, I think just like, in terms of like movies we could watch, this is pretty middle of the road for like something we watch that's like super flashy, but also subtle, but also underrated, but also pretty common. Like it's A24 on one hand, but there's like literally no words and 90% symbolism on the other. So it's like, I think it's like, yeah, but even, it, it, it's even stereotypical the words stated, even the words that are spoken are literally in riddles. Half the time you have no idea what characters are talking about. I'm like really happy I watched it for a second time because I'd seen it before actually, and so I watched yeah. the first half again with Jordine, and then now this is sort of like my third time when I finished it, and like what, I went through the whole movie again, but like yeah, I'd seen like the start of it like three times and the end of it twice, so I feel like I'm not not to, not to toot my own horn or anything, but like I I think I follow the movie for the most part. I mean, there's obviously lines and stuff that still kind of like haunt me, and I don't really understand their like fully. But I, uh-huh. we could go into it and try and like dissect it piece by piece if that's what you learned too. So okay, I I'm gonna one up you because I'm I'm feeling I'm feeling a little braggy Fuck. today. You know I'm feeling do it. I've watched this movie once in memory because I don't remember watching it the first time, and I also think that I follow along with the story. And better yet, I think I understand the symbolism. Oh yeah. Okay. Okay. That's okay. an absolute well, lie. One hundred percent. I feel like I'm literally just saying this to flex for no reason. There is so much shit going on in this movie that anybody that says they fully understand it is lying. 
Well, I, I don't think I fully understand it, and I didn't say that, so I'm not lying. Yeah, you didn't. But no, I'm saying yeah, I am. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. It's 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 not straightforward, but it's like if you get pushed in the right direction by a few of the prompts throughout the movie, or if you watch like any... Because I actually did have like a discussion of this movie with a bunch of people at a movie club in SF once. This is the one time oh, I did this, and okay. one dude showed up. So it was me and one dude at a bar talking about a movie. And so I had prepared thoughts and stuff like that, and actually like formulated ideas about what things meant before going in and watched a few reviews and stuff but that was six seven months ago something really crazy so yeah you're, you're getting my like unfiltered thoughts right now um but i think like it it actually does have a pretty like it, it's a story you know like it's it's not like just symbolism it's not just meant to be over it's it actually does have like character growth and an arc and real attributable stuff to the real world but also it's just a story I agree. So, although I will, yeah, I, I will say, I I think a lot of what can be gleaned from the movie is multifaceted. <clears throat> is what I'm trying to say. I I, I don't disagree with you that like that like there is that the the story is very confusing, but there is a like a through line there. But what mm-hmm. I'm saying is like every single scene or every single I, I'm gonna say in quotes quest that Garwin goes on can represent multiple different things depending on how you look at it. Yeah, that's fair. I mean, it's like Paprika in that way. Like, it's pretty similar with, like, there being still a consistent plot you could follow along. Yeah. But every scene probably can be interpreted in a different, a set of different ways. Although I will I will say I think it's a level deeper, in my opinion. Yeah, probably. I mean, th- this one very much less focuses on telling you the story, and you kind of have to, like, piece it together. Figure it like, out. Like, even the whole, the the main premise of it being that the Green Knight will return the blow is said once. It's like maybe mentioned half a time again midway through the movie. But like if you didn't catch it at the start, you don't really understand the threat until they show it off a little bit more. Like it's 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 uh, worse movies would hit you over the head with it. Make sure you fully understand it. This movie is like, hope you were listening. We're going to show it in this little like children's theatric thing. And we're going to mention it with like, you know like subtle imagery or stuff later on but not actually like tell you or remind you or explain the rules and magic and shit throughout the it's it's really interesting so before we get into spoilers i'm gonna say that it's a good movie yeah i i would also say that it's a good movie a recommendation it's got our two thumbs up absolutely i mean i guess we can get into it into spoilers but i also think like this movie is based off of a poem apparently which I find really, really funny because, like, English poems are notoriously difficult to adapt, from my understanding. So like, like ye old English like, poems, or like just regular yeah. poems written in English. No, no, yeah, ye old. <laughs> that's funny. Ye old English. Uh, Green eggs poems. and ham. <laughs> oh my god! What does he mean? Who is Sam? I am. <laughs> we are all Sam. I am. <laughs> No, I'm talking about like, like the the Camelot, uh, Beowulf and them? shit. Like myths. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I also think like this this doesn't necessarily isn't just English poems specifically, but I think like for example Norse mythology, there's at least the uh, translations that you could say, oh, you know, they could have multiple different meanings and stuff. But no, no, the English is in English. You just have no idea what they're talking about. You know? Well, the thing is, you kind of do like, okay, while the language they're speaking 
can be difficult to understand. It's like Shakespeare, where the concepts that are discussed are universal. So it doesn't really matter if they say, ye chest breaketh with pain. It's like you get, ah, oh, man got broken up with rough patch. You got it. Like the the words are different. The concepts are the same. So like this movie, I think its main thing, I'm going to hit you with it. You got it already. It's two things. One is the environment. That's less so. And the yeah. second is death. That's like the principal theme by far. Okay. And uh, I think I disagree with you, but we can get into that in a bit. Okay. Well, you're wrong, but go ahead. What What do you think the core tenets of the movie are then? Like what, what are the things? I, I honestly think it's just the passage of time more than anything else. I think. And also, I think it touches on a little bit on masculinity and how that changes as you sort of age, if that makes sense. But, uh-huh. you know, this is what I'm saying. Like, I don't necessarily think that you're, you're like, uh, what you think is the main tenant is wrong or anything like that. It's just, I don't necessarily know if death was a bigger focus than time specifically. And I have, I, I, have... I think, I think that you're wrong. <laughs> oh, oh, okay. I know you just I'm said, being... you just said like you measured your things. You were like, you know, I don't think you're exactly wrong, whatever. But I do think that you're wrong. And I, okay, we'll get into it. <laughs> Yeah, and I think the time Let's thing just jump into like spoilers. This a- is gonna be a this is gonna be a doozy. Let's just jump into spoilers. It's it's not even spoilers. You could summarize the movie on a post-it note. The whole point is the presentation. So go watch it still. Um you might not be into it. If you need like your uh movies to have what what's it, dialogue and uh characters, <laughs> you probably won't find this it here. You, but God. I think it's like a, yeah, it's like a good examination of certain things that I think like you watch it like twice or whatever, you get something out of it. Yeah. Anyway, all right. So, why don't you go ahead? Well, let's let's just take it piece by piece, okay? Okay. So, Green Knight marches in. Uh, Gar- Gawain, like the kind of the start of the movie is pretty tame. Gawain's obviously this guy who doesn't really care about his future. He's kind of playing it by ear every day. Woke up in a brothel. Next day is Christmas or whatever. He's at the feast. Turns out he's actually the son of the king or the sister's son or whatever. He's the nephew so, of the king. Nephew of the king, yeah, but the king has no heir, so he's heir to the throne, and that's where we learn that. And then he's like, "Yo, hey, nephew, son, you got any stories?" And then's like, "No, okay." I'm not gonna lie so, to you, I did not know he was the heir. I swear to God. Wait, what? Like until just now? Yeah, they never mention it. They just like, I want to sit by family. And then no, see, that's I, what they say. They say it literally once at the start. That's what I'm saying. With this movie, is doesn't care if you follow it. It's like, we'll present the information once, but he does mention, like, since my sister is no longer with us or whatever, or like your your mother, something like that. It re- references that he's the, like, his sister has passed and he has no sons. Or his sons died in the army, I think. I misunderstood. I, I thought what he was saying is because his sons have died, he wants to be in the company of his blood family. And because his sister isn't there, who's Garwin's mother, he wants to sit by Garwin. I didn't actually. They I and I uh, did. They say like he's the heir. Like did they say that? No. He, I mean he is the heir. Yeah. I mean that's why the king has him sit up at the front of the table. I'm like, but I misunderstood. Sure this is what case. I'm saying. This is what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah, I'm yeah. saying, I, I it, your 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 logic is sound. I'm not disagreeing with you here. I'm just saying I truly did not catch that. To me, yeah. it just seemed like Arthur was like this old guy, and he's like dying and shit. So he just wants to, you know, impart some knowledge on this kid, like his like nephew. Yeah, that's fair. Like either way, it's he's sort of the. I mean, it, it kind of comes full circle when it gets to the end of the movie. Like, uh, yeah, 
It, it shows some imagery of him as the king, so it kind of makes yeah. sense. But anyway, like that part doesn't really matter. This part is pretty much just storytelling, like regular storytelling. So this is a dude, life unfulfilled. Nothing's happened to him. He's 30. He's at death's door already, right? So his life's already over. He doesn't have a wife. He's not a knight. Shit's gone for him, right? Green Knight strolls in, issues a challenge to the court. So you deal a strike to the Green Knight, which is this big, like, Groot-like thing, right? Looks like Groot, yeah. tree-looking man. You deal a strike to him. One year's time, he'll return the blow, right? So Dev accepts the challenge. Not Dev. He doesn't say one thing. Name? He says in a year's time. Yeah. I mean, one year from now, whatever. In a, in a year's yeah. time, next Christmas, pretty much. I'm going to return the blow. So this guy thinks he's the smartest person, Gawain, and he cuts off his head. Green Knight picks up his own head, rides his horse out the room, right? So that's literally like the the start of the movie. Now, I want to touch back on the thing about the theme being the environment here, okay? So very clear indicators of this. And uh, these are my point-proof analysis points here, okay? Green Knight, <laughs> fucking made of trees. What's your explanation yeah. for that, Mr. Time Wizard? I never said, no, no, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not saying that that there is no, no I know. concept. I, I'm being of, a, I'm being accusatory, but I know I know okay, what you okay, mean. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> what I what I I mean I also think it extends back to um I don't know if we're gonna get ahead of ourselves, but J- jump to it. Lady? I think I know what you're talking about. But like yeah. the lady's speech near the end yeah. of the movie, yeah, where yes, she talks yes. about green being the color of life, but also the color of rot. To me, yes. that is an indication of them talking about time and how like everything sort of goes back to the environment or everything ages and dies with time. And they also have that scene with uh, Garwin in the forest where the, the camera pans around. Dude, mm-hmm. phenomenal scene. Holy <laughs> shit. <laughs> it's It's very interesting. And I think like... The we'll, we'll get back to that scene because when we get closer to like the midway halfway point of the movie, I want to talk a little bit more about like the cinematography and how that plays into the storytelling. Yeah. But like what you were saying earlier, the for those of you who haven't watched and won't watch the movie, there is a scene later on where a woman is talking about the color green and what it means. Why is the night green? And talks about how green reclaims the earth. Green rots food. Green takes over buildings. We try to prune the green out of our life, out of our veins, out of our blood, whatever. Get the green out. But the green will come in eventually, right? Mm-hmm. I, I, I want to say that that is supposed to be like, and this isn't, this is why I said it's the secondary theme of the movie. But like the premise of the Green Knight being this natural bringer of death, right? It wasn't intentionally going to be death. But in the case of Gawain, it's death, right? He will die a year from now because of what he did to the Green Knight, right? So I want to say that it's supposed to be like an allegory for like, we're, we're okay, obviously, let, let's start from the basis. We're supposed to be like stand-ins for Gawain, okay? We are supposed to be sort the of. people not living to our lives, whatever, just like an examination of the audience, holding a mirror up to them. We are Gawain, right? And I want to say that the exploitation of nature is kind of one of the premises they're going off of here that like we take what we want from nature because we think we're smarter than nature we think we have more power right so he beheads the fucking green knight okay green knight picks up his head rolls away hurt but doesn't actually like have an effect because nature wins in the end right all it takes is time and nature wins so it's like that's why when he put the axe down it takes what you say 
It takes, yeah, I said it takes time. Yeah, fuck. Okay, you're right. You're right. Time is important. Time is important. We'll get there. But like, I just think it's like, I I feel like it's not like a wild out there claim to assume that it's supposed to be like the Green Knight is nature fighting back almost. Not even fighting back, but just like naturally coming to the conclusion that man doesn't win in the end if you're always exploiting nature. You know? Yeah, I, I, I absolutely agree with you. The reason why I'm saying the core premise is time is not necessarily because the Green Knight. Like they have a a bunch of scenes in the sh- in the I was gonna say show in the movie where Garwin meets his demise through other ways. That's why I'm saying it doesn't necessarily speak to nature reclaiming the planet. More so, it speaks to nature will win in the end because of time. Humanity isn't gonna last forever, essentially. But I also think it's it's really interesting that you bring up uh, that we're supposed to be stand-ins for Garwin because I actually don't agree fully with that statement either. I think I don't necessarily think that we have a stand-in at all in this movie. I think we because <laughs> you know we have a we have a as an audience we have a, a conception of how these fantasy movies sort of play out, and so to me if. The Green Knight says he's going to return the blow in the year. Why the fuck would you cut his head off? You know? Why would you <laughs> think that you are better than the magic? A guy walks in looking like trees, and you're like, yeah, let me just outsmart him. And this is why I think, like, it, it, like we don't necessarily stand in for him. But also, I don't know if we stand in for any of the other characters either, because everybody speaks in riddles. Everybody has this weird conception that Garwin is going to meet some like divine fate at the end of his quest, but we and Garwin, so the audience and Garwin also know that it's like, no, he's going to die. Like, this is not going to end well. So, I would say that it's not nitpicky. I like, I agree, and I get it. Why would you cut off his head? He said he would return the blow, right? But part of my point here is that, like, the taking advantage of nature thing, the assuming that you know better, right? If you kill the thing, he can't return any blow, right? And the whole it being mystical is just a through line of the world. Like, they they don't ever touch on the fact that magic is out there in the world. It is considered a given system. So I, I, I won't say that, like, his appearance should have been an indicator the same way anything else would, right? Like, he bleeds out when he gets his head cut off. It's not... Like yeah, it, okay, I see. And and the re- everybody was surprised. It wasn't like just him. Like everybody in the room knew or said anything. But also, I I, I will concede that it's a little bit weird. But it's just meant to get a the ball rolling for the premise of the movie, right? Yeah, yeah. What I think is more important though is that like it's it we are su- the I I brought up the environment thing because this is a very obvious point about it, him taking advantage of the whole thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. What you said earlier about like there being other parts in the movie in which Godwin faces death that aren't related to nature is true, right? But the main, that's why I think that the core premise of the film is the, it's like a, an examination of death and like a talking about death with the audience and with Godwin being the stand in. And like the inevitability of death is kind of the main thing that goes on here and it's like really really brought to forth like right to the forefront or whatever at the end of the movie but like even early on right that this guy is just like living carefree doesn't know what day it is that sort of thing and then really has like an introspective trip as he's going out there and finding his flaws and stuff like that so i, I think it is like 
death is the main thing and sure time is a thing that also influences his death like if we're going to jump later on like he sets on a trail goes to find the green knight in the year's time or whatever and encounters a bunch of shit and one of them is the scene with a tree right where he gets caught by some raiders because he insulted a peasant by only giving him a coin or whatever and this is like how we show character growth and he gets tied to a tree and the camera spins around and shows his body reclaimed by the forest before spinning the other way to show him getting out of the trap right and I, uh, sorry, I, I do want to linger on this scene for a bit, but yeah. go on, go on. No, that, I mean, that's what I wanted to talk about, like this scene specifically, right? That like, yes, nature is like through time, we're seeing nature take over and kill him, essentially, like it's eating at his corpse, but the forest is thriving, though all the death that we've seen in this forest is bad. It doesn't care. Like the green is growing. Yeah, that's like one thing. But I also think it's like. It's meant to show an alternative version in which he dies, like an, yes, another I world agree. in which, yeah, like another world in which he dies, right? And then to spin back the clock and be like, okay, that didn't happen, right? But I think it's more interesting to think about the fact that, like, what does it matter whether he died here or died later or died as a king at the end of the movie or any of those deaths, right? And I think that that's the realization that he calls back to later on in the movie when he's actually at the Green Chapel, when he decides to, like, take off the thing. Like, dying on your own terms or confronting death feels like really what the movie is trying to hammer down. I mean, even with the next scene of like him diving to get this girl's head, right? Like, I, I don't know. I just, I just think it's like all of this is about the possibilities in which you could die, right? You die in front of the green knight fighting him. You die at the spinning shot or whatever. You die underwater. Like all, all these are possible areas for death and none of them make it any different. The, like death is the end, you know? Yeah. I, I think yeah. I, that's, that's kind of my points gleaning for the movie but like what were your thoughts about the spinning tree scene i saw it and i i think i absolutely agree with you by the way that it, it is mm-hmm. supposed to show off the inevitability of of i guess garwin's death but i see the thing is is i don't necessarily think we're disagreeing here i think we're calling the same point um as the main theme of the movie so you're saying it's the inevitability of death and I'm just right. saying it's it's like an exploration of how time passes. The only thing that stands out to me the most in that mo- in that shot is uh, the sound design, because they play the sound of like birds to show its fall, and then you also hear flies again. And I think the use of like flies is really really interesting because usually those are really associated with the the sound of of rot, if that makes sense. Right, and uh, you hear it again at the end when uh, Garwin dies as a king, you know, like when he mm-hmm. has that whole vision of what could happen. So I, this is the only reason why I, I think it's 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 not necessarily death specifically, and more so. Actually, I don't know. No, it it it, it is. It's the inevitability of death. <laughs> it, but it, like, I also. It, it feels very like overt with it. And even even what you're saying with like the sound design part, that is very intentional. Like yeah, yes, the, 100%. the flies are meant to be like, you know, you see the corpse thereafter so it's fly ridden that's normal or whatever. But even before like there's a scene later on where that woman is giving the speech about what green means and midway and through her speech flies. birds 
No, bird, birds. Yeah. You just hear the birds from the, the forest scene. And it's like, why? They're literally, it's nighttime and they're in a dark castle. Why are we hearing birds right now? But the whole thing is about just like what green symbolizes. And so I th- I don't think it's a mistake or like an accident or just like sound design. It is symbolism as, as well as yeah, sound it design, is. I guess. <laughs> no, no, that's that's what I was trying to say. I was saying yeah, they yeah. use, I don't know if I fall into, I, I can't think of a movie that uses like sound bites like that to allude to something throughout the movie, if that makes sense, which I really, mm. which I really, really appreciated. The other thing that I find really interesting, and I don't necessarily know what it means, is that all the characters don't seem to have the same urgency that Garwin has with his quest, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. So I, I just I like it's really difficult for me to like I guess verbalize what I'm thinking. But like he uh-huh. has this idea that the the quest is not gonna go well, you know? But like the king urges him to go on it. His mother urges him to go on it. Pretty much every person is like, wow, you're on a noble quest. That's awesome. Good for you, man. But like, I, I don't know. I it, It's it's just really, it's really weird. I don't know. I so don't know. That's See, what, talking about that, I feel like is where the death imagery stuff comes up very like forthright. Like there are distinct creatures or people in the world that urge him to go on the quest and others that urge him not to, right? And that's like it's like a very strong distinction throughout the movie. Like his his Wait, partner who, who urges him at the not start. Essel. Essel says okay. not to, the fox says not to, right? The woman gives him like the the uh the shielded weave or whatever to stop him from getting hurt. There are people that's who don't urge him not to but no, not even his mother. Like the the woman at the castle near the end of the movie. That was a weird scene, by the way, and I I'll get to that in a second. <laughs> but yeah, like there are people who are supposed to be counter the thing, but there's also the people who want him to go on it or are pushing for him to go on it. Like the reason the Green Knight came, which is kind of like not really talked about, and this is like up for interpretation. But I believe his mom willed the Green Knight to come and challenge the core, and it's kind of like overt with it, but. I, as for why they kind of toss their hands up in the air and leave it to the audience. But I want to say it's because she sees that he has squandered his life thus far and wants him to have a story or something to tell from it to like really I confront actually, death. I don't know if I agree because I mean, I think she's literally like casting rituals and shit. Yes. And yes. then when she like no, no, claps, I, the green knight walks in. Yes. I agree that she's the one that summoned the Green Knight in the first place, but I don't necessarily oh, yeah. okay. know if if she summoned it specifically for Garwin. I think okay, and this is just like, this again, I, I don't know if the movie wants you to have this preconception, but I think his mother is supposed to be Morgana who's like uh, Arthur's like arch nemesis, if you will, or I guess Merlin's arch nemesis, technically. She's like the evil witch in these stories. So I thought she summoned Gar or she summoned the Green Knight to come in and kill the king so that Garwin could become king after, if that makes sense. If he's the only, you know, heir to the throne. And it I th- backfired. I think, you're because- getting, <laughs> I think you're getting a little too into like the mythology part of it because like these aren't named characters at all. Yes, I don't I know, know if there's an a- I know. allegory to anything. But I also or an, think a- any like existing story. I really think it's meant to be like a a Shakespearean Well, no, type the play. the the whole okay, but the whole the whole movie is based off of Garwin's and the Green Knight. This is why I said like right. it's, it's based off yeah, of Arthurian yeah. legend. And I think 
for for movies like this, and I don't necessarily know this one specifically, but a lot of the times they draw on your preconception of what these legends talk about, if that makes sense. So mm-hmm. the the a lot of the motifs with like Arthurian legends is like Arthur's clinging to the throne and how a lot of people around his round table wanted to take it over. Like Lancelot, for example, is is a is a pretty popular one. Mm-hmm. Um that's why I'm I'm just taking it as a conception. But again, like I could be completely wrong. She literally might have just summoned him to be like, all right, I got to send my son on a fetch quest, you know? <laughs> yeah, like, I, I think that is up for interpretation. I want to say that it was literally, like, she planned for him to be the one to say yes. Like, I mean, she wasn't there that day. And it kind of feels like, I don't know. Like, and, and even, like, the king asked about her being there, which means that she kind of was expected to be there, which... I don't know, in, it sort of led to him being at the front, them having the conversation. I, it feels very planned. But either way, it's not a big focal point of the movie. That, But no, I, what I'm not. trying to illustrate is that she is one of the people to push him to go. Like, gives yeah. him his thing and says go. The king says go, right? But what is actually happening underneath here is that people who aren't facing the same mortality that Gawain is facing are the ones who are often being the ones pushy about it, right? Like, he's never excited to go. I mean, he he does it out um, of what feels like obligation for most of the movie. But once he's there, once he's experiencing that, like, confrontation with death, right? That That's where I think the most, like, human part of the movie happens. It's, like, right there in the Green Chapel. He experiences, like, this delusion of grandeur as if he, like, came home, survived the cut, became king, had a like a married from a foreign land started a war all this shit right but i I honestly think like those last like 30 or not even 30 like 10 minutes are really just like the thesis of like you got to be ready yourself to confront death on your terms and not just be like abiding by honor knight's code all this shit to get some status because once death happens it's over like it's not a pleasant thing it's not a fun experience it's more brutal. It's GG's. Really? It is. No, I, 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 I get it. Although I, I, I will say, though, that I don't necessarily agree. I think because the king is shown to be on his deathbed, and he's the one that urges him the most to go on the quest, if that makes sense. Which is why, yeah. I, because I had, the same, I had the same thought process that, like, the, 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 the lady and the lord that he meets halfway are like, yeah, you should go. Good luck finding the green chapel. And, like, all the... Like that, uh, what's his name? The little bandit guy is like, good for you, man. Enjoy it. You know, have fun Mm. on your quest. So, but the only one that that doesn't fit that mold is the king, which is why I'm like, I don't know. I don't necessarily understand what the difference is, you know? Well, if we're thinking about it from like a plot perspective, in my head, it was to knight him so that he can be king on his return. And they kind of made the bold assumption that he was going to return, right? But, like, I, I don't know. Like, but I, the I, I king think that is that's facing less... his mortality. Yeah, exactly. But he cares about the heir to the throne. He cares about the status of it. The maintaining the, the like, I don't know what you call it. Legacy. Kingship? Legacy? Yeah, exactly. So passing on his legacy is the primary thing. And he's not ready to pass it on to Gawain yet. So he has to do something to prove himself to the kingdom, whatever. That's that's my, like, assumption there. But what I think is more interesting is about, like, the motivations behind the people he meets throughout the film. 
Like, I yeah. mean, we kind of talked about the like robberies. They're obviously trying to steal from him, and that's because he insulted them, right? That is just to like show his lack of a- apt with the world. He doesn't know what the fuck's going on ever. He's not experienced. Right? He's not experienced. Very sheltered, right? Um, but I think there's a few more interesting characters I want to talk about, and one is the Lady of the Lake, right? So with her head cut off. Yeah, with her head cut off. I said earlier that there was like a few lines in the film that kind of like really threw me off, and I don't know what they mean. Right. But what her like last thing when so uh, TLDR rolls up to a lake, finds a ghost of a woman. She's like, get my head. It's in the lake. He jumps in the lake, gets it, brings it out, gives it to her. It turns to a real human head and then turns into a skull. So it's all very symbolic or whatever. And uh, yeah, the main thing that creeped me out or not creeped me out, but like left me thinking was that her last thing was kind of like, I see you now. Like, since you brought the head out, I see you now, leave immediately or something like that. She was like, now that I see you, I want you, like, gone. Okay. And I don't I don't really know what that means. And I even watching the second time, I was like, I don't know what this means. I don't know what she's supposed to symbolize. So, two things. I think the her saying, you know, I see you now is because she has her eyes now. Like, he got her head <laughs> so she can physically see him, which I think is really funny. Um, but also I think a lot of the mysticism in these movies is always very linked together. So because she gives him back the green ax that he got from the green knight, she's like, okay, you got to get moving my guy. Otherwise you're not going to make the date for Christmas to get to the green chapel in time. But I don't I know. It's, it's like, it, I feel like it, I just it, want it to be more symbolic than that though. It, there's definitely something there for sure. The other thing too is that she just might have to get out of her house so she can like rest in peace or some shit. But okay, yeah, but like, there's also the the fact that she gives him something is another point that is like I, I never thought about it in that way. I know that he gets the axe after, but I never thought about how or why or when. Right? It, it kind of just like slipped me by until you literally just mentioned it, right? But if this yeah. if this is true, which it probably is, I don't know why I said that. But if you're not lying to me right now that he gets the axe from her. <laughs> right that that confrontation with her starts with an interesting way where when they're standing outside the pool he's like if i do get your head what are you going to give me and she's like why would you ask me that why would you ever ask me that right and like i i I mean i know that she's a woman who literally died from being taken advantage of by a man and so i kind of interpret it as like why are you like further victimizing an already sad story like this is this is awful of you, right? How unnightly. Yeah, but, but like the fact that he gets something out of it is now kind of very interesting to me. And I think it makes that first part of the phrase, like when they're standing outside the pool, mean a lot more, like hit a lot different. But I don't know. I okay. I think this one ties into remember how I mentioned that I think masculinity is is a role, like plays a role in these movies. Yeah. This is one of the scenes that I think explains that because when he goes into his interaction with her, he's expecting something in return at the start. And it's supposed to to show his like growth where she's like, why, like, why are you asking me that? Just go do what you got to do. And he's like, okay. And then he does it, but he gets something in return. It's just not what he expected. It's, it's more so what he like needed. If that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Definitely. I also think there's a there's a lot of scenes in the movie where like Garwin changes throughout, right? 
So at the start of the movie, he's very arrogant. You know, he he uh, he believes that he's greater than the curse of the Green Knight, so he cuts off his head. He doesn't give the peasant as much money that as he should have, right? The robber. And he, right. like, gets jumped and loses everything. But then throughout the movie, he starts meeting new people and progressively getting all of his things back, right? So, kind of... I want to say that, like, there isn't much character growth for most of the movie. I I think I said I earlier that you could see him change, but you really don't because, like, the situations he's presented with are all different. Like, he sees himself as above the peasant. He acts above the peasant. He sees himself as above the woman. He acts above the woman, right? And even when he gets all the way to the knightly manor where they put him up, right, he starts treating them with some level of respect, but he still breaks his, like, what should be of a knight's thing, and he gets a handy from this random woman. He while doesn't. His grandma he, watches. He he jerks off, bro. He jerks off. That's the thing. That's the thing. Oh, is that is that the case? Yeah, that's why she's like, "You're disgusting." And then also, like, I don't. I still don't understand why the the master of the uh, the lord kisses him. Because I was yeah, like, because what? I actually what? assumed that she gave him a hand job, and like the whole thing was that he was supposed to give the master whatever he received while he was there. So the master clearly wanted him romantically. And so since he received a hand job, he would give one to the... I, but that seems so, like, crass oh. for what I think the no, movie was on. supposed to be. But I think it's just romance. Like, he received no. romance at the manor, and so he was meant to give it back to the king. I actually... I You actually might be right. I, I think you might actually be right. Yeah, Where I mean, that's like... why he kisses it. That's why I assumed, at least. Because it's like, he knew about it, right? And, like, he was saying, are you sure there's nothing you have to give me? Right? Like, I, it felt like what else could there be that he received? The other thing, though, was that he did receive, like, he did. The, the problem is, like, whatever you receive, you'll give me as well, right? Like, I think it's, he also received that, like, life saving, like, the, weave the or whatever. Satchel thing. Right? Which is why it feels like in my head that he leaves half committed because he doesn't actually give it. But maybe the kiss is what he just wanted. Like, I don't, I don't know. I, I'm not sure how to interpret that whole section. I think it's really interesting, and I kind of like liked it a lot, especially how um, uh, the the woman of the manor's face starts to look like Essel's. It, it always looks is like Essel's, like, or like yeah, it, well yeah, it looks like it's Essel. Like I think that's very interesting, and like I didn't notice it until this rewatch because I remember people also, talking about it in like uh, essays and stuff I watched and then came back and watched the movie this time. And I was like, Oh shit, you're right. Because like, it's been hours since I've seen Essel on screen. <laughs> yeah. Also, um, really interesting. the old lady, the blind old lady, uh, doesn't she do, doesn't his mom do a thing where she like touches his forehead and then rubs his face? Uh, that sounds right. And she also, she also yeah. like blinds herself for when she's performing the ritual at the start of the movie to summon the green knight. The mother? Yeah, I think so. I think she, she ties a... Blind, she just, yeah, she just blindfolds herself. Yeah, not but blind, I, sorry. I, I mean, like, yeah. ties a blindfold. Yeah, but... I, I, You said blinds. I was like, what the fuck? Did I miss that? <laughs> you remember that scene where she took two icicles? Bro, the thing is, you actually could say anything and gaslight me into believing it happened in this movie. That's how random it is. Um, yeah, like, but, I, I really like that the Lord of the Manor was played by uh, Haley Joel Osment. It was a good casting. <laughs> <laughs> he killed it he killed it he was really good yeah 
this anyway. was I, I just there's there's just a lot there's a lot I, I i just i really still think that there's so much to dissect in like every like like random scenes like what does the fox symbolize i truly don't know yeah no i i, I think that that is supposed to be his like i don't know internal thoughts like I, what it how i interpreted it right because it happens literally right at the end is like the fox is his um what, what's the best way to call it like primal primal brain primordial brain the like you know like the thing that tells you you got to eat food to stay alive and like all the natural instinct parts of your brain that aren't the developed human right so it's like he's following his instincts when he's following this fox and where to go, right? The howl is very like primal and everything. And like him seeking food so desperately he eats random mushrooms feels like a very primal thing. And then that's why at the end when he's confronted, it's like the primal part of his brain is like, yo, don't fucking die. Who needs to die to this green knight right now? Interesting. Dog? Like, I think it's a joke. Like you don't need to be here. Right. Yeah. You're a hundred percent right. <laughs> <laughs> right and it's, so it's like time... yo dog fucking don't go don't go here right and then he's like no the... nightly powers and fucks off the fox no and no it's no, like, no. E- yeah even even to corroborate with that he meets the fox when he loses his horse and his like worldly possessions air quotes right when he gets yeah. robbed and then mm-hmm. he loses the fox again when he gets to the manor when he like meets civilization again and then he gets the fox back right away when he oh, that's a good to point go back to the so that's I absolutely you're a hundred percent right, and that's like <laughs> I'm surprised that I didn't book that earlier. Yeah, yeah, I just think it's like that. I mean, I very much thought that it was like <laughs> what I was thinking of was like you know that two wolves inside of you joke. That <laughs> like hilarious. <laughs> when is at the yes. end? He has like the the royal brain of his is like do it for honor, and then the other one's like yo don't fucking die, dog. <laughs> like those yeah. are the two things, two sides of him. Like no, I, that's I don't know. Fair. That's really fair. I just want to, I think like we're probably getting close to wrapping up and I just want to dedicate time specifically for the last sequence, like in the chapel, because I think there's a lot to talk about there. But uh, anyway, yeah, you wanted to do like before, the... before we get mm-hmm. there, there was, um, there was something I wanted to talk about. Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Is the on. giants? Cause that we kind yes. of glossed over the whole yes. giants. <laughs> yes. The giants. No idea. That whole no vision that he clue. has. Me too. <laughs> I have it's zero so clue. random and I'm sure I, okay I think they're in the original myth for some reason but I uh-huh. don't think that who's who's the director who's the writer what's his name uh, I, I feel I like he's know. done a bunch of shit he doesn't uh, seem like the David type. Lowry yeah he doesn't seem like the type to wait never mind I don't know who that is anyway this movie doesn't seem like the type of movie to uh, have anything for no reason there's there's a right. reasoning for it. I don't understand why the knights and also the scene where he eats the mushroom and he has that little vision where he sees the green knight walking towards him and then it just turns into a tree. That was fucking random. Mm-hmm. I mean, and that felt like a hallucination from the mushrooms. And that, Definitely. One hundred percent. But like the the upside down sequence with the camera doing the whole inversion thing and like the wool, the the fox howling at the giants like I have no clue what that is meant to symbolize and like i want to say that we would be better prepared for having this conversation if we knew maybe more about what conventional like you know how like fairies and wood nymphs and stuff mean like 
they're, they're meant to symbolize forest beings or living in the woods or whatever, right? And then dragons are wealth and hoarding and greed. Like, I'm sure giants have this allegory and conventional, like, folktale stuff that I just don't know. So I can't really speak to it. And this, like, migration of giants felt like it was a thing. Like, we were present to what happens in a lot of these stories or something. And it's just, like, an anecdotal part of this bigger story. But, like, maybe it was a completely new idea offered for the purpose of this storytelling. I don't know. I just, it felt like I don't know enough about conventional giants to speak to it. No, I don't know. It's just the the thing is 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 okay. Here's here's my. I'm gonna try and spitball this now. Okay. Um, from what I know about giants, I'm gonna I'm gonna lean heavily on Norse mythology here. They are supposed to be like the precursor to man, if that makes sense. So they're supposed okay. to be like the ancients, so to speak. This movie, the only time the giants address Garwin is when the fox howls. And if you and I are right about thinking, or if you're right about the fox symbolizing, <laughs> no, it's like, what? Oh, I'm just saying, what it's you, you and I. We did it together. Shut up. Listen, <laughs> if we're right about the the fox being sort of like his his primal self, right. then the giants might represent the sort of. Uh, I don't even know. Like, like it's reverse. I mean, but you talked about like the time stuff, right? So if it's supposed to yeah. be like calling out to a different era of man and like, you know, just maybe it's like the deep down part of him crying out to the deep down part of all of us being like, yo, fucking death. Am I right? And then they just walk away because they died to time <laughs> as well. <laughs> and, then, and then he continues on his quest. You know, like when people like scream into pillows and shit or like yeah. during exams when college students just shout outside their dormitories. Maybe it's literally that. But like the primal cells talking to the ancient humans. Like, I don't know. It's I, so, I mean, honestly, it's up for interpretation, of... but that's a cool thing. I didn't think about I don't I don't I've never there's... heard of this like giants being precursors, but I like it. Like, there's also the whole, there's a lot of, like, Jesus imagery in this movie. Holy shit. Yeah, I mean, literally starts with the whole, like, heart on fire thing. Like, the fire behind the god with the... The first line is, Christ has risen. (laughs) Like, come on. Uh, Yeah, I don't know too much about what they were trying to get across with that, though. I have no idea either, man. Okay, so let's go. Final scene. ending. Ending, yes. So... Man rolls up to the Green Chapel, um, sits there for like two minutes, three minutes, two days, three nights, whatever the fuck, right? Waiting for Christmas. Christmas night, Green Knight wakes up, and he just starts about to chop his head off. And then Gawain's like, what? Is that it? And then ends up freaking out and getting nervous and scared and flinching and then runs away. And then this is all to wrap up in this big like five-ish minute sequence where you're seeing him fast track through what his life would have been if he left at this point he has that belt that belt will stop him from dying nothing bad can come of this world when he has where he's belt or whatever and he goes through and like becomes the new monarch or not monarch is, is monarch a word i feel yeah, like yeah, monarch king yeah okay he becomes the new monarch and like has a son son goes to war the son dies has a daughter gets married all this shit right exiles he abandons, his former he abandons lover Essel too. don't forget about that 
Yeah, like an absolute dick, right? And then ends up going to war. That war, they win, and then they come, and he removes the belt, and his head falls off, right? So this is that inevitability of death thing. This is where I think, like, for the first time, really, in this film, he is taking hold of his life and really self-examining where this path will end him up. This, like, thread of selfishness and, like, you know maintaining the knight's code and all that shit that he believes he's entitled to all of that i think culminates in this realization that he still dies in the end you know like his head still gets cut off he still loses like what is the point of dying on those terms versus these terms and i think that's why he like removes the belt at the end that that was like my main thought process i i i agree with you and i also think to better hammer that point home there's always a like tint of color in the chapel first it's yellow and then when he Mm. walks in it's like more green but then when he snaps back from the vision he has like a sense of clarity and you see the green knight as he actually is there's no hues anywhere so it's even Mm. showing you in the cinematography and the lighting that you know garwin is coming to his senses he's coming to the realization that he has to to die essentially yeah, and I think they were repeating the motif they had earlier of like using the camera or using the fact, like the movie, the concept of this movie to rewind time on you, right? So we're watching another scenario that would have played out or a hypothetical scenario that could have played out in which he runs away from the chapel and before the movie does its whole like fucking yo yo trick and reverts back to the last save. Yeah. <laughs> Auto save checkpoint. Le- exactly. Yeah. And. What I think is really interesting to talk about is do you think Gawain died at the end? I think he does, personally. Really? I think, yeah, I think, I don't think the Green Knight is, is a the type to lie. I don't think it changes him confronting death or him being okay with it does not change the fact that he dies. He was going to die anyway. So I, I just think now it's it's to your point. He's dying on his own terms. He's he's not necessarily comfortable, but he's okay with dying here at the Green Knight's feet. Uh-huh. You don't so, think he dies? I don't think he dies. And I, wow, I wanna okay. say I wanna try and find really quick. I'm gonna do some some Googling challenge text. I wanna look up the exact text for the Green Knight's challenge, but I believe the text actually says that like in a year's time i'll return the blow and we'll go hand in hand and be friends right and i want to say it's an optimistic ending because even like the sound design afterwards is like a bell tolls and it's like green wood or not green like um it's like a, a stump that grows greener as nature overtakes and it's like very pleasant and uplifting right and it ends with him doing this like gesture on his like neck that I think, and I've never seen an analysis online to corroborate this. So this is literally just coming off of my brain, but I want to say that that is the green Knight's equivalent blow to him is that small little gesture on his neck. And like, where he that says is off just, with your head. Yeah. Where he's like off with your head. And I want to say that is what the retaliation blow is from the green Knight. And my, my thing for this is now to jump back to the environment thing I talked about earlier, is that it's like nature giving us a chance to be better. Like having some recognition about the rock we live on being owned by nature, having the chance 
the possibility to have a communal future in which if we're mindful of our own death, of our own mortality, of the world we live in, we could go and live in harmony for some amount of time. Though death be it inevitable, right? And nature wins in the end, like a, like a symbiotic relationship going forward. And that's why I feel the whole like go together hand in hand, best of friends thing that is in the original challenge text is like, I, I don't know, but I've never seen anybody online think that. Everybody's like, oh, he dies at the end. It's super solemn and weird and sad. And I'm like, I don't think so. I don't know. I, I'm, I'm totally like on my own with this, though. I No, I actually think... I actually think you're right. I'm, I'm thinking back to the scene. And like before Garwin comes to the realization and he's like hesitant, the Green Knight looks more... I don't know how to like more sullen, like more angry. And then at the Mm. end he grins before he like does anything. So there's definitely, there's definitely like credit there. You know, I don't, I don't think it's, it's outlandish. Yeah. Like I, I think I, I I like to think it's true because I like to think that that is the moment of character growth. Like that is his realization of mortality. He calms himself down, removes the cheating belt or whatever, throws that aside, and like that's his point of growth. I don't know. I I, I don't know, man. I it's I, it's hard I, to I, say anything with confidence in this movie, to be honest. No, I also like the the reason why I think it's. Um... This this ties back to my whole journey of masculinity thing. I don't even so I don't even know if I would call it masculinity, but I think he mm-hmm. goes through a journey of like accepting his honor and his courage throughout the movie, because mm-hmm. he does dishonorable things throughout the entire thing. He's just a, he's a right right piece of shit, you know. Uh, yeah. He gives the robber like he slights the the peasant with how much he gives him. He asks the woman what's he gonna get in return. He doesn't do it for like the goodness of his own heart. He fucking jerks off in that guy's wife's bed, <laughs> you know. So nothing yeah. he does is like honorable. And I think the final scene is supposed to show that he could have run away with his tail between his legs, dishonored internally, despite the fact that the world thinks that he was successful. But right. I, I don't know if you remember he he keeps holding on to the little sastral thing throughout, yeah. and he never takes it off. And I think. That's supposed to symbolize the dishonor that he sees. And once he takes mm-hmm. it off, he dies because he hasn't come to terms with, you know, how much of a piece of shit he was. So when he comes to terms with the dishonor before, at the feet of uh, the Green Knight, it's supposed to change something. But I also don't think, I don't know if he lives or dies yet, you know? Yeah. I, it's It's hard to say. And, like, I think... If if you strongly believe or people strongly believe he dies at the end, I think that's totally valid. This is like just my thing is that that gesture felt like something more than just a small little thing. Like, why did he do that? They never touch throughout the film. It's not like a frequent thing or a thing that's I, I don't know. It just felt very purposeful. <laughs> and it ends with like this charming like bell toll. That is very uplifting and in a weirdly positive attitude. And that could on one side be him confronting death for the first time and like really taking hold of his life in a way that he has authority over and not like some knightly code of honor. But yeah, I, I'd like to think that it's it's this communal ending where they be friends and get milkshakes or something afterwards. I don't know. <laughs> anyway, yeah, they have that little mushroom and have a vision. 
Yeah, they get they zone out. They get gonked together. They both just like get high, get zooted. Isn't that the dream? Yo, I'm a real with you, man. <laughs> Only people I'm ever close to is the people I get zonked with. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Alrighty. I'm just kidding. And we did it. Yet another episode in the bank. What do you want to rate it? And with what item, Hashem? I'm going to say green axes. Green axes. Sounds good to me. All right, Hash, I'll I go first. Give it. Okay. No. Ten. <laughs> Ted, no fanfare you are time. such no fanfare. a piece of shit. What? I was going to say 11. I'm going to give it 10. Damn. No, I think I, I do think 10 is pretty. It's it's not like the most interesting movie in the world. Like as much as I like it. Fuck no, I'm never showing it to my parents. You fucked up, dog. Oh my <laughs> God, like man. It. It's like <laughs> the thing is that my dad was like, why would you waste two and a half hours of my life? Like that? it's long, dude. It's like a long yeah. dry burn, but it's like rewarding to think about and talk about, which is why I think I enjoyed even that discussion with some random strangers in San Francisco. But like this one as well. It's just like such an interesting movie to talk about. I can't wait to ruin it with next week's presentation or uh, recommendation. When we talk <laughs> about ha- Halloween movies. <laughs> yeah, get ready. It's spooky season. It's October. We missed a week, but that's okay. You wouldn't even notice. And next episode, it should-ish maybe be releasing around Halloween, maybe after yeah. by a little bit. Um, so for that, to keep up tradition as we've done twice, hence three maybe times before, I don't know. But uh, we're going to be doing a double feature. And... I'm going to pick one, and Hashem's going to pick one, and I might pick another, and maybe another. So, uh, I hate you. Yeah. <laughs> Jordan was telling me that you said that I would pick a whole ass series. A whole ass series. And you, you said would this pick last time. Yeah. It's just, it's funny. It's funny to me. All right. Anyway. Okay. Well, let me go first. Let me just get this out of the way. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to pick something very contemporary. Uh, I'm going to pick Werewolf by Night on Disney Plus. Okay, like the, the this Marvel special thing. Yeah, right? yeah. It's an hour, All right. nice and light. Please don't waste nice. my time, Leander. I got you, I got you. For <laughs> our Halloween sequence, we are going to watch the entire Fear Street saga. I hate you! <laughs> You're it's actually a villain. Not, it's so good, and I told You're everybody in my actually... circle to watch it, and no one fucking watched it. So now I can You're... pull the obligation string, and you got to watch it. <laughs> And you know what? You know what? I will give us two weeks buffer. If we don't get it all out by Christmas, or by next Halloween, or whatever, the next episode, that's fine. I don't mind it bleeding into the next episode. That's okay. We could do, like, you know, all the Fear Street ones the week after. But I just want to know that we're going to all watch it. Or, and by all, I mean you and I are going to both watch all three movies. Bear in mind, everybody, that this is three movies. Each of them is, like, two hours long. Fuck off. It's it's not that bad. I You'll like it. You'll like you. it. You'll I like it. Will. Maybe. No, I'm literally just talking I hope shit. So. I think they're gonna be good, um, or at least some of them will be. I don't think all three <laughs> will be good. There's definitely gonna be a bad part. And so, if you don't know about the Fear Street saga, because it's not like I pulled like Halloween or something that's like authentic and people know it, but Fear Street was this three movie series released over three weeks on Netflix. It was phenomenal. They dropped the first movie. People watched it, right? And then dropped the second movie the week after. And it was, like, great because you knew that three were coming, but the stories that are told are so different but still have branching storylines. The first one is, like, Fear Street 1994. And then the next one is, like, 1867. And then the next one is 1666. It's, like, anyway, it's it's very good. 
and nobody's watched it except for me apparently and now has and hope and me soon yeah and uh werewolf by night is some marvel shit i don't know <laughs> all right sorry well sorry i'll watch it i'll watch it no, i'll be no, really no, excited no, about it. it's okay it's just you know i'm, I'm, I'm so mean for I'm you to give I'm all so the sorry. this is the thing leander recommends movies gives the movies he recommends an 11 out of 12 a 9 <laughs> out of 12 but then when i recommend a movie oh it's a seven you know it's just light nice and mid you know what though you should just probably stop you know suggesting sevens and then it'll go away <laughs> and then that'll be fine <laughs> All right, fine. Next movie's going to be a banger. Just watch it. Susan Kane. Hey. All right. <laughs> you never know. Well, uh, that's that's been a good episode, I would say. If you want to support us, follow us at bluemoon.paper and uh, go to bluemoonpaper.com and buy shit. Yeah. 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 Also, we're at Jump Cut FM on twitter if you care about that's that fine kind of yeah but if, if you should probably just go to blue moon paper that's our editor's website yeah. she sells stickers yeah. and stationary bits but yeah i mean that's all that's all i got you got any like last old well, do, can you do your you know the regular every episode how you end with a bunch uh, like a bunch of fun facts can you uh just give us one of them um fun fact dev patel is a great actor yeah it's another classic bit we did it we did all it. right <laughs> that's all we got thanks for folks. listening y'all it's, it's been, been real, real.